Yesterday was number 71, today is 72. It's the 32nd day of the Omer. Okay, I never say that, but might as well. And um, we will uh, begin our review from the second to last line on Daf Ayin Ahmed Bays. So basically, what uh, we learned yesterday is the oh, uh, let's have a mind Rafu Shalema for uh, Amy Bastvora for Hadassah Basranya for what's the name Rachaleah Basara and Yehudis Basara. Okay, and every, everyone else who needs a Rafua. Anyway, so uh, the, we we saw that uh, we learned from the pasuk of Kol Oral Yochal Bo. Well. We we the Malta also as Yochal Bo that uh, oh, it's only an issue for Kom uh, Pesach, not for Achil Struma. So we're learning out from the word Bo. So the question is, okay, you know, there's a, quite a few times that it says Bo, and you're telling me that it's an exclusive term. It's coming to say this is where it's an issue, not for something else. So we have to figure out what they're all the bows are doing. So. First one is Kol Ben Nechor Leochabel. What does that come to teach us? So he says that um, that uh, Ben Nechor, just to define, is somebody who, uh, although born Jewish, decides to drop the religion and decides to either go to apostasy or another religion. But anyway, he is forbidden to eat from the Korm Pesach, but um, he is allowed to eat. Um, he is allowed to eat Maaser. And when it says, Kol what's that coming for? That's coming to tell you that he cannot eat Kormbezak, but he could eat Matzah and Mora. Why do you have to say an Orel cannot eat the Kormbezak as well as a Ben Nechor? The answer is because each of them have something that the other one doesn't have that makes them inappropriate to eat. So the Orel has a fact that he is physically Maus um, in a way. I don't know how to define that in English in this context, but it means that he's he because he has uh the the as is he's uncircumcised so it's considered disgusting or maus maus that's what it means. But Benechar doesn't have any physical situation like that. On the other hand, uh Benechar his heart isn't for heaven. If he's eating the Pesach, it's because he wants a nice barbecue. It's nothing to do with God. He doesn't believe in it. He, he, so uh whereas an RL he could be a very religious uh, fervent uh, Jew and wants to do the right thing. He just doesn't have a bris milah. So that's why I need a special pasuk for both of them. Now we have another mute in the pasuk. It says mimenu. So why does it say mimenu twice? So the answer is like Rabbah says in the name of Yitzchak um, which is coming up soon. We're not going to get there today. It's on Antafa and Dalit. Uh We mentioned Rabbi Kiva's opinion who learns the drasha that um, now, the, the drasha that an oral cannot eat truma, not from Tosha Vesachir, but from a different pasuk. Uh, it says ish ish. So that extra ish is coming to include the oral. So maybe it's coming to include the onin, like we asked before. So the Gemara says, it says over there by, by that, that it says Cholzor, uh, stranger cannot eat truma. Sounds like Zorus is an issue, not Aninus. So the Gemara says maybe it's Zorus and not Arelus. So the Gemara says, yeah, but we have a reboy of Ish Ish to tell you that Arelus is an issue. So how do you know which thing to be Marve and which thing to be Memait? Which thing do we include? Which thing do we exclude? So the Gemara says, well, 
as we know, Aurelius is first of all, there's an action that needs to happen, an action in his body that needs to be. It's a chiv kares. It's um, before the word, the Torah was given, we already had the prohibition. It's um, it, and it was and and even the slave uh, mates, uh, slave and uh, um, and family members withhold one from eating korban pesach if you don't do brismila. So it's, that's how strict it is. Well, but Anina says something also because it says. Uh, first of all, it, it's, it, it can happen anytime. It's both men and women have it. There's nothing you can do to fix it. It's not an easy fix like Aurelius is. So the Gemara says, yeah, but the first list is longer. That's Tana Kama. Rabbi says, you don't even need this whole drasha. Doesn't, it's nothing to do with comparison. Remember, where are we learning from? We're learning from the Pasuk of Ish Ish. Well, Ish is, means a man. So we're talking about a type of thing to include something that is, main, that is only applicable to a man. Which is a, a, the flaw of Aurelius is a flaw only for men, uh, whereas the flaw of Aninus is not nothing to do with a man. It's anyone who is in mourning who's fa- who has a close family member that passes. So that's clearly, obviously, what's being referred to. Now, what does Rabbi Kiva do with the Tosh of the Sacher Drasha that Rabbi Yezer learned? So we, it's extra. So the answer is, it's um, um, it's come to tell you that a, a, a an Arab who has a brismila or a Gavoni who has a brismila. Um, they don't count. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Of course they don't count. That's not even called having a brismila, because we saw that when it comes to vows, if a person makes a vow that I'm not going to benefit from any Aurel, then even if he's a Yisrael that has an Aurel, he's allowed to benefit from him. And if he's a Gentile that doesn't have an Aurel, that had gotten a, a, a circumcision, you are still not allowed to benefit from him. And if it's the other way around, you said that I'm not going to benefit from somebody who has a Mila, that's including all Jews, even in Aura, and it's prohibiting, and it's exclu- excluding all Gentiles, even if they have a circumcision. The point being is that uh, Mila is, is by definition, in our understanding, a Jewish thing, and Arelos is by definition a Gentile thing. It's nothing, it's, uh, okay, so that's the difference. So, um, rather, it's coming to include a, a convert that converted, with only the Mila and didn't yet go to the mikvah, he's still not allowed to eat Korm Pesach, and also a minor who was born um, with, without a, a, a foreskin, and, um, and the, the opinion of Herb Kiva is that, that he still requires um, a, a, a drop of blood to draw some blood, and that's the issue. Um, Rebbe Lazar, this is Rebbe Lazar Lishitaso, who hold, I mean, I'm sorry. This is that's Rabbi Kiva holds that, but Rabbi Yezer, he doesn't. Uh, he disagrees on both counts. First of all, he says if you gear, we had this earlier. If a convert um, did a mila but not the tefillah, that's called a gear, and therefore he would be allowed to partake with Korm Pesach. And meaning, you know, even if he got only one of the two things that you need to do, and um, also he holds that uh, if a minor is born without uh, foreskin, he doesn't even need a mila. It's not like you automatically have to do a bris mila. Um, now, the question is, what does Rebbe Yezer do with the ish-ish? That's just regular uh, man-speak, and the Torah sometimes writes, and it's not really given over for a drasha. Comes along, Rebbe Barchama asks the question, what about uh, a katan under the age of eight days? So it's before he's, he's supposed to have his bris. We know an aura is not allowed to eat truma, so can we use truma oil, that's a Kohen family, and rub it on the baby. So, 
is Arelus, the real question is Arelus Shalom Bismana, is that count? So we brought a very interesting proof. He said that the, um, it's interesting, if you look at the Pasuk, the Pasuk says that the, the Mila of your male members of your family, your kids, so it says that you can't bring the Korm Pesach if they're not all having the Bris Mila. And it talks about the slaves, it mentions that you cannot eat the Korm Pesach if your slaves don't have a circumcision. So it's interesting. The eating was focused on the slaves, and the bringing of the Korban was focused on the children. Um, how do you know that it's true for both directions? So, so we have a Ksir Shav, it says, um, Uz in both places, Uz Yochalbo in both places, then you can, so they're connected, to tell you that they're both, we gave an example for each, but really it's true both in the bringing of the Korban you're not allowed to bring Korban if either of them are uh, not circumcised, and you're not allowed to eat the Kompesach if either of them are not circumcised. Now that just basically means that there can be a scenario where the bringing of the Kompesach was, uh, was perfectly fine, but the eating is still problematic. That's really the idea. So, I, so by a slave, it's very easy to come up with a scenario, because after all, you can buy the slave after you bring the carbon, and then you have a chiv to, to give that slave a bris meal immediately. So basically, when we brought the Korm Pesach, there was no slave, so therefore, I didn't have this issue, and it was perfectly kosher to bring it. And now, um, before eating, sometime in the afternoon, I bought a slave, and I didn't give him a bris meal right away. So that would be um, a, a case that works by a slave, that it's only relevant for the eating, not for the bringing. How do you have it by a child? It's impossible. A child would have been in the morning uh, an issue uh, because on the eighth day it's an issue. The only way to make sense out of it is that the baby was born in the afternoon, right before, right after the Kompesk was brought, but before the Kompesk was eaten, which teaches us that it's, even though the eighth day is not the time for the brismila, not time for the brismila till day eight, but he's still technically in Aro at this juncture. That's really what we're saying. So Gemara says, cannot be. That really is illogical, and here's why. Because the Pasuk says, what you need to do before you eat is you need to give him a brismila, and then you can eat. The Torah says you can't give a brismila till day eight. You're going to give him brismila on day one? No way. It makes no sense. So by definition, we're not talking about that case. So now what we need to figure out is where is there a case of a child that the brismila obligation only kicked in in the afternoon after you brought the karbetzach. How can you have such a thing? So the answer, first answer we saw is we're talking about uh, an illness. So now the Gemara says, wait a second, an illness, you can't just, in meaning he, the child got better. So he's saying, what do you mean? If the child got better in the afternoon, he didn't have a chance to do the brismila before. Now you have a chance to do the brismila. You have to wait seven days when you, when you have an illness. There's like, uh, you, wait, you wait till you get, the child gets better, and it's like it's born that day, and then you count to the eighth day from then. So, Mark explains that, yeah, that would happen seven day, you know, eight days ago. Um, and it comes out on Erev Pesach. So, if it comes out on Erev Pesach, what, what's the deal? Why not do it in the morning? The answer is because when it comes to getting better, it goes to the hour. When it comes to bris meal of a regular baby, it doesn't matter the hour he's born. The morning of the eighth day is when you, you can already do the bris meal. But when it comes to an illness, you need the seven 24-hour periods before you can go ahead and do a bris meal. 
And if that kicks in only in the afternoon, then that's the first opportunity that you had to do it, and not before then. And therefore, at the point of the uh, bringing of the Karm Pesach, I didn't, wasn't able to do it. I didn't have to do it. And only afterwards did I have the obligation. So the Gemara says, but wait a second, didn't we learn that, uh, that uh, the day of getting better is like the day it's born? So the Gemara says, yes, but it means not exactly the same that it doesn't need to the hour. It's even more than that, that it needs to be even the day to the hour. Okay, that's one answer. Can I ask you a quick question? Could you, could you um, sell your slave to a non-Jew like your Chometz? Oh, that's an excellent question. In other words, yeah, you don't want to... Yeah, because you're not going to give him a bris. You haven't given him a bris milah. Yeah, so, and you want to be able to eat your kompesa. I don't know. I mean, to me, if it's a legal sale, well, first of all, it's not so simple. You're not allowed to just sell, you're not allowed to just sell your slave. It's a big issue to okay. sell your slave. So because, um, especially because once you buy the slave, he's obligated in all his mitzvahs. You sell him to a Gentile, there's no chance that he's going to be able to keep the mitzvahs. You might be even forced to buy him back. So it's not going to be so bad. But you probably would be allowed to free him. But that's an expensive proposition. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. He's not going to come back. Yeah, right. He's not going to come back. Exactly. Unless you buy him again. Is there some slaves that eat so much uh, that uh, you want to give the freedom to them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <okay>. Reparations. <laughs> All right, so that's the first answer. Then we saw Rav Papa's answer. He says that uh, we're talking about not a major illness, but a minor one. I, his eyes been bothering him. So the baby's eye is hurting. So that's, you don't do the brismila, but as soon as it clears up... Um, then you're allowed to do the bris milah right away, and it didn't clear up till the afternoon. Um, okay, after after the korban pesach was already brought, Rava gives a different answer. The parents were locked in jail, so there was no opportunity to give a bris milah on, uh, but they could have had a representative bring the korban pesach on their behalf. But the bris milah is really their mitzvah. They finally got out in the afternoon. That's their chance to do the bris milah. If they don't take advantage of that, then their eating will be messed up. Okay. Um, and Rav Kahana Bered Rav Nechemi said we're talking about a case where the child was a tumtum. That means that the mem- male member was covered over by a layer of skin, and then they tore it open finally in the afternoon. It turns out that it is a, a boy. Okay, um, so um, and that's when you have the first chance, opportunity to do brismila after the bringing already of the Pesach. Then we saw Rav Shravya, which was a pretty wild case in my mind. Uh, where the baby was, the baby's head was out already eight days ago, so it was technically um, born. born, okay, because it goes by when the head's out, and um, and it stayed there stuck um, for these eight days till finally in the afternoon or Pesach, um, um, then the baby came out. I think the the wife didn't want to have to do any of the Pesach preparations, so <laughs> that's my theory. Okay, but either way. It's pretty crazy. Is it what? Right. It's a very extreme way to avoid Pesach cleanup. Okay. Pre Pesach clean. Anyway. Do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do, right. <laughs> so um, the question is, is that the, 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 how is that child even viable? Uh, we have a rule that once the baby's born, the um, 
the mouth that was closed up until now oh has to open the the um, and the umbilical cord that was open has to close otherwise the child can't survive so Gemara says that uh, the, the child won't be able to survive because it's not um, getting sustenance but uh, the there was the, the mother the mother had a fever and that fever feeds the child doesn't need didn't need to eat for the seven days um, anyway fascinating. Because if the child had a fever, then that would wait us. The breast meal wouldn't kick in until 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 after that, um, or that's only if the child doesn't cry out. Once the child cries out, it can live. And the child did cry out; its head is out the whole time. Okay. Anyway, that was the end of that discussion. Then Rabbi Yochanan said the Rabbi that an RL can be sprinkled with the ashes of the red heifer, even though he's an RL. And the proof is because our forefathers, when they came from across the desert to uh, Eretz Yisrael, so they came in on the 10th of the month of Nisan, and they brought the Korban Pesach that year, they obviously had to purify themselves because they were Tame. Um, and, um, and they were a Relam at the time because the, they first got a Brismila afterwards. So the Gemara says, who says they did a Korban Pesach? So the Gemara says, uh, doesn't the Pesach say, V'yats is a Pesach? So, um, so the Gemara says, what do you mean? How do you know it was Bitahara? Maybe it was Bitoma. So the Gemara says, no. It says very clearly in the Brisa that it was even Bitahara. So Rabba Bar Yitzchak said the name of Rab, Anutin, another halacha, that uh, the Priya of, of Mila was actually invented at that time, the mitzvah that we have, the two parts of Mila that we do, the cutting of the foreskin. Then they fold, the after it's cut, they fold it back and reveal the... Uh, um, the Atara, the crown, um, and that is the way that's called Priya. And that second thing was not given. The first was not given to Avram Avinu. Um, it was it happened to Yeshua, and it's indicated in the text. Um, and the Gemara says, um, uh, what, what it teaches us uh, that by comparing it, it says Shainis to tell you that this the Priya is Ma'akev just like the Mila. So um, that it's a crucial element. Um, and um, and that's we said that if it, it that if it, it if the skin still covers the Torah, it's ma'ak of the mila. So that's really this idea we said it's not it has to cover majority of the height, not the majority of the circumference, and that's the story. Um, yeah, and that's where we got up to. And now we're going to see. Um, actually, did I go all the way to the two dots? I think I did. So the question is a basic question: Why didn't they do bris milas in the desert? So the answer that we saw yesterday was because um, traveling um, is dangerous you know, the, for, for a child after Brismila. So they felt that since they don't, never knew when they're going to be picking up to go, so they didn't feel comfortable doing a Brismila. Alternatively, it's because they didn't have the northern wind, which is a calming wind, and they just didn't feel that it was safe. Um, and that didn't happen for pretty much all 40 years in the desert. Um, why not? So either because they were punished, um, Rashi thinks that has to do with the Chet HaEgel, um, Tosfos disagrees, he says not the Chet HaEgel, it has to do with um, the Meraglim, Chet HaMeraglim. But um, anyway, and um, or it was a positive thing that we had the Anani covered the clouds of glory that were leading us out and we didn't want, and God didn't cause it to blow because it would blow away the clouds of glory. 
Rav Papa. I, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense. God brought it on a cover. He makes sure that the winds wouldn't blow. The wind wouldn't blow in it. So right. Exactly. It's not a natural. I don't know. Thing. Right. It was unnatural. You're asking a good question. I don't know. Anyway, that was the idea. Anyway, Rav. But that's how God controlled it. How, how did God control it by not bringing the wind? That's, that's what it means. Um, anyway, so Rav Papa says. The, on this basis, really, if it's a cloudy day, or um, or if it's a southern wind that's blowing, which is a harmful wind, you're not supposed to do brismila. But since um, uh, you're not supposed to do bloodletting, you don't do surgery on such days. But uh, nowadays, we don't really uh, worry about it, and that's because uh, clueless is uh, <laughs> ignorance is bliss, and God protects the is foolish. Is that why my prevailing didn't do brismila in this case? Um, because they were traveling. It's interesting. I mean, he was still taken to task for it, so I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, maybe that was his... Uh, his thinking, right. Thinking. All right, that's where we got up to. 